Well, good morning. I'm Pastor David Dyer. It's my distinct honor and pleasure to be uh, with you this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us, for uh, uh, giving us your time, and, um, and for partnering with us. Because when you receive the Word of God, when you receive God's grace, and you live that out, you have a distinct and a unique position in our community. That as someone that lives out the promise of the gospel, God's mercy, grace, peace, and forgiveness, when you live that out, people notice and many of you have brought neighbors or coworkers or family or friends today, and, and we just want to say thank you for living out the gospel. Not, not that we're perfect. This is not a perfect church. Go ahead and just raise your hand so we confirm that. No perfect people allowed. Amen? Okay. Jesus is the only perfect person allowed here today, and, and it's by him that we have our, our life and our being. All right? So let's bow our heads. I want to uh, ask for God's blessing as we prepare to hear his word um, and as we delve into the scriptures this morning. Gracious Father, you have uniquely made each of us wonderfully, beautifully knit together in our mother's womb, and you knew us even before our parents. Father, truth be told, you have called us out of darkness, each and every one of us, into your marvelous light, and Father, we want to live in that light, which means expose us to our sin. Bring to light those flat areas of our life. Bring to light, Father, where we have fallen short. Help us to be brave enough to be able to look at those places in our life, to humbly submit them to you, and to ask for forgiveness in full assurance, knowing that you forgive. We thank you, Father, that we don't fear anything when we come to your throne. You're not going to kick us out. You're not going to boot us off. You're not going to say, well, this is the hundredth time you confess that. You're going to say, my child, I love you and I forgive you. And so, Father, in that forgiveness, may we stand in your grace. And by that grace this morning, may we hear your word and, and truly, Father, be able to put it into action so that our lives are reoriented on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Reorientation, this sermon series for this month, uh, again, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And so the definition for reorientation, right? To adjust the alignment of oneself or one's ideas to the surroundings and circumstances in a new or different way. So we're going to adjust the alignment of ourselves and our, and, and our view of the surroundings, okay? And, and in so doing that, especially at the beginning of the year, what that allows us to do is to say, you know what, I'm not going to just go down the same path the same way that I've always been going. I'm going to do things different, right? That old definition of insanity, right? Continuing to do the same thing over and over and over and yet expecting a different result. We do that. Last year, I didn't lose 12 pounds, I gained three more. But man, I was a great cook. <laughs> We're not changing that. The wine flowed, and I didn't have to get up early when it was cold to exercise. But this year, I'm losing all 15 of those pounds. Right. One, you have a problem. Okay, you're seeing yourself in the mirror 
quite possibly the way God made you. Now, I'm not using that as an excuse to not be in shape. I'm just saying, you know what? God makes all different sizes, shapes of people, right? How many of you wanted to be taller than you actually are, right? Have any of you ever been able to change that? Besides shoes, heels, right? I mean, there's just not a lot of... How many of you uh, wish you had been shorter? Just quite frankly, you're tired of being asked. (laughs) Come here, Aaron. I just want people to see that one. You got to see this one. Because see, Aaron's about five foot two, and he wishes he was... No. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, no, yeah, she wants to be even tall. Yeah, tall people, they hate being, well, do you play basketball? I'm 45 years old. Do you think I play basketball? <laughs> well, no, I mean, did you? Yeah, for crying out loud. Adjusting the alignment of oneself or one's ideas. I think this sometimes is, is the greater challenge in that we want to change, but we're not willing to change our ideas. Hey, this is how it is, this is how it's always been, this is how it's going to be. Rather than delving into God's word and going, wait a minute, what does God say about this topic? And if God says something that is different than how I was raised or how I'm currently living, you know what? In all humility, we're going to follow what God says. And I think you're going to see that again this morning in our text from Romans. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, We read these words, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So in keeping with this sermon series, we're looking at lists, things that can kind of help us memorize and remember God's word in a fairly easy way. Uh, Last week, right, from Malachi, um, uh, loving mercy, acting justly, and walking humbly with God. That kind of has a repetition to it. should be able to put that into practice as we reorient here. Not only this, and we're going to go into verses 1 and 2, so for those of you getting your Bibles out or your, your, your phones, go ahead and start to pull that text up from Romans chapter 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Yeah, we're going to look at that this morning. What does it mean to rejoice in suffering? You see, that's a, that's a reorientation because the world says you don't rejoice in sufferings. You do anything to get as far away as you can from suffering. In fact, you you, you take as many pills as possible or work out so that there is no suffering. You you align yourself with enough money in your bank account so that there's no suffering. You, You try to do everything in this world that you can to alleviate suffering, but here's the deal, and we're going to get into it a little bit more. God uses suffering. Here it says, in order to produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. This is kind of countercultural. Suffering. Last evening, Cinda, my wife, and I were at a banquet, right? So, you know, you go to a, a work banquet of your spouse and you, kind of, you don't know anybody, right? And they're off, oh, hi, how you doing? I mean, kind of it's like how she feels on Sunday morning when I'm, oh, hi, hey, how you doing? She's like, I don't know anybody. So we're at the banquet last night and, and I'm trying to ask questions of the, 
you know, 14-year-old son that has nothing to do there, and he's answering my questions with one-word answers, and I try to engage the dad, and he's you know, checking the score, and I'm like, hey, what's the score? You know, and so we're... <laughs> We're kind of connecting and bonding through phone, sports, you know. And I get to the wife, and uh, Cinda's out getting food or whatever, talking to some friends. And I get to the wife, and I said, um, so, do you also ride horses? And she goes, oh, no, I don't want to get hurt. I thought, well, well, that's an interesting first answer, you know, right off the bat. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that when you ride horses, they, that, that's not the end goal, right, to see how many people we can get hurt. And I said, oh, okay. Um, she goes, well, I do other things that I just, I don't want to get hurt. I can't afford to do that. And I said, oh, cool. I said, well, what else do you do? She said, I play hockey. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I was like, I cannot make this up. I, I now know the beginning to the sermon tomorrow. <laughs> I said, let me get this straight. You don't want to ride horses because you might get hurt, but you play Middle 40-aged hockey league, twice a week. Yeah, oh, love it. It's great exercise. And I thought, yeah, it hits me. You know, you're going to define suffering and pain any way you want. The circumstances of your life really are dependent upon how you view what is painful, or what is suffering, or how you are going to latch into life. And I got to tell you, because I've seen people go through a divorce, and it's horrible, right? But they're still alive, their head's up out of water. I've seen other people go through divorces, and it's, man, they're barely getting out of bed, right? And I'm not equating every divorce as being equal. I'm just saying that people, they're influenced by their own view, and I've seen people go, yeah, I run half marathons, you know, that's my goal, once a quarter, and it's not pain and suffering to them. And then there's the rest of us that are going, man, can this one mile an hour on the treadmill go any slower? <laughs> I'm dying here, okay? We live at altitude, Whew. okay, I need a little oxygen mask. So my point being this is that we view suffering completely differently based on a lot of things. A lot of people view pain and suffering based on how their parents viewed pain and suffering. Right? I know plenty of families that don't go to worship. They don't go to, belong to a church. Well, because, you know, my parents were involved in a church and, you know, they kind of got ridiculed for something or they had a falling out with somebody. And so that was just a really painful experience for my family. And so we don't go to church. Uh, sometimes you live in a, a place in town and, well, the so-and-sos hurt our family and so we don't talk to the so-and-sos anymore. And yet, for other people, pain and suffering is a matter of, of life, okay? They, they know that they're being called to go through that. I, I like to read a lot of books on um, our, our special warfare operators uh, and, and some of the training they go through. For everything from special forces to, to Delta to SEALs to Rangers, you know, all that, that kind of grouping. And, and it's interesting when you read their training manuals, the, the guys that make it through, they go, yeah, I could always tell who wasn't going to make it. And there was one factor. And that factor was they admitted they were in pain and they couldn't imagine making it through the pain tomorrow. 
We don't necessarily have a lot of special operators here, but I'm wondering if you feel the same way. If the pain you're experiencing says, I just, I don't know if I can make it through tomorrow. And so because of that, I think this is a very appropriate section of Scripture for us to go through. Because what God is reminding us, we need to reorient ourselves concerning pain and suffering. Because I'll admit, there's a lot of it in this world. Friday, uh, my wife took off on a plane. Later that morning, I'm getting flash news reports of a shooting at an airport, and I'm like, where the freak is it? Because immediately, right? Immediately you go to defenses, you go to worry, you go to wonder. Okay, it's in Florida. Okay, it's not where she's at. But we're filled with kinds of suffering and pain. There are five families at least mourning the death of a loved one. There are eight other families that are standing by. Are, 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 are family members going to make it? There's countless others in the airport that are, that are shocked, right, that are scared. Now they're in what they thought was a safe place, and now it's impacting us all. So there's pain and suffering. That's my point. Some due to medical, some due to school. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. And you go, wow, that's not the same. Don't make light of it. I'm not. I'm saying that someone's schoolwork feels like pain and suffering just like somebody else going through a divorce. And you go, that's not the same. I'm not trying to equate them. I'm trying to say that in people's minds, we all suffer. And that's why this text is so vital but what I want you to hear, and for those that have your Bibles in front, I, I want you to hear verses 1 and 2. It's not going to be on the screens. I'm making you work on your auditory skills. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. You know when that initial reaction when pain and suffering happens and you say, God is against me. Or God's not here. Or where is God? I want you to know. The world sees God as being absent. But he is not. We have been justified through faith. And we have peace with God. God's not out to get you. He's not out to harm you. He's not out to make you fearful. No. He wants you to be at peace. And maybe that alone is just the sermon you need to hear. It's that God isn't against me. He is actually for you. And he wants better for you. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I gave you this image last week that in order to reorient our lives, that it usually begins down here on our knees, and that in this humble place where we have bowed our heads, where we have bared our soul and our sin, it is there that God raises us up in forgiveness and grace. And you know what? We stand you're not, laying a down, you're not laying down, you're not being lazy. No, you've been raised to stand on your two feet again. 
Most sports, right, are kind of like this. It's better if the football player is standing, right? It's easier to get down the field than rolling down the field or doing bear crawls, okay? The same in basketball. It's a little easier to dribble if you're not on your knees, okay? Uh, so it, by and large, we, we, see, we get this image from sports that it's good to be on your feet, and they say get in an athletic stance, right? You, you, you get one foot in front of the other, you kind of get your shoulder width apart. That way if you're getting hit, whatever, you can kind of move around. You've got some flexibility. The per- that's the picture here. Paul's writing to the Roman church and he says, you're standing. You're not laying around. You haven't been knocked down. You're standing in God's grace. That's great. Christian, would you stand in God's grace? I'm just standing there and go, you know what? God has me standing. This is a good thing. God has me alive today, standing in his grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. You see, what suffering tends to do is it makes us turn inward. And our focus becomes on us and we say, man, woe is me. Look how hard I've got it. Look how rough I've got it. But here Paul writes and says, wait a minute. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Why? Because we're standing in his grace. And so you know what? If we're standing in his grace, then then we rejoice because of the hope. And that is such good news that there really is hope, that there really is a chance for change. How many of you, without looking at your spouse, because I'm going to ask for an open and honest vote here, Do not look sideways. Look straight ahead. How many of you believe there is no hope for your spouse? (laughs) There's a lot of chicken hearts in here this morning. Okay? I mean, depending on the day, right? I mean, there are days you're going, (laughs) only by the grace of God have I not taken your life today. (laughs) Right? We joke about it, but, but you know what? There are times where you believe, you know what? It's going to have to be a miracle of God because they sure aren't going to change. That's hope. In the worst of circumstances, when you say, yeah, but, but I know that there's a better, better way in Jesus, that's hope. So let's break down this verse. So you're going to see it up here on the... So in light of that, right, we stand in God's grace, and now we rejoice because of the hope. Then it says, verse 3, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. So it says rejoice in hope and rejoice in sufferings. Awesome, right? Just amen, everybody that's just really excited about that. <laughs> you're not very excited, One, because a lot of you, you're going through some pain and suffering. And two, we would not willingly, if we even find ourselves in what we would say is peace. Very rarely are there any of us that say, God, if I need some suffering in order to be better, please bring it. If I need some refining like you do with fine metals and put me in the fire so you can burn off all the junk. I'm good to go. Sign me up. Very rarely, right, even believers, do we stand in front of the throne room of God and go, God, I just want to bear my soul. I just, will you show me all my crap? 
And yet, the text this morning says, I'm telling you, it's a great place to be. Right? So not only so, not only do we rejoice in hope, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Suffering has a, an end result. It has a goal. Did you know that? That your suffering has a goal. It's to create perseverance. No, all suffering does is make me want to quit. Well, no, that's not the point of it. You might choose to quit, but suffering produces perseverance. The word here in Greek has this picture with it of what a fighter, he has perseverance. So he's getting body blows. This is the picture. Body blow, body blow, body blow, body blow, over and over and over. And it creates in them a perseverance, a willingness to be resilient and diligent. Resilient and diligent. So that perseverance, by definition, is, is somebody that says, come on, bring it on. You kidding me? I went through some stuff younger in my life. I'm going to go through some more stuff. We're good to go. Come on, bring it. I'm resi- and then that resiliency that says, I'm going to bounce back. Oh, I might be maneuvered. I might be over here. I might find myself in a different state. I might find myself in a different country. I might find myself in a different job. I might find myself completely in a brand new area. I'm resilient, though, because God is having me stand in his grace. Now you say, that's rough. Suffering and pain producing perseverance. Really, God, God wants this from me? Yes. Do you know why God needs you to persevere? Because the average lifespan, right, United States, ladies, 82, guys, 31, no, um, you know, like 78 or whatever, okay? You ladies are going to be around a little bit longer than us, okay? And so you got to persevere. I know it's going to be hard without us, right? I mean, we're so helpful and so uplifting generally. That's a different sermon, but you got you to live long and you got to persevere, You understand that God needs you to be diligent about the work that he has placed before you. You see, Adam and Eve were given jobs before sin entered the world. Adam was naming animals, plants. You see, work is not sin. Now, the result of sin in the world has made work toil. So our work is is toilsome, it's burdensome, it it makes us tired. But, But the intention of God's work was to say, I've got things for you to do. And so I need you to be resilient. I need you to keep plugging away at it. I need you to persevere. You know what your neighbor needs? Your neighbor needs perseverance in the gospel. They need to know that despite the fact that you've got another kid and then another kid and then another, you know I mean? Because they see the babies come home, right? And ungodly, unpraying people start saying things like this, I will pray for you. <laughs> you don't know who they're praying to, but they say they're going to pray. Because they realize there's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some sleepless nights. There's going to be people that need to raise up and support. And I'm telling you, Christians, we're missing the boat here by persevering in suffering then the world sees that we think different and that we act different. So persevering through our own suffering and then perseverance producing character. Character. What is character? What does that, that describe? 
Character by some people says, this is who you are, right? Kind of related to integrity when no one's looking. This is the name of yourself. When you look in the mirror and you put everything away, what is your character? How are you known by? What are the things that you do? Again, here in Greek, this idea of character comes from a word that talks about etching. And it's an etching that you make in metal. It's permanent. It's not easily erased. There are do-overs. And so your character is what's on display. The idea here in Greek is that it's, it's, it's like scroll work on, on nice metal, silver maybe, or gold, and you wear it as a breastplate. Or it's a shield with, with beautiful ornate work, and it usually shows you know, the commander. It, it, gives, it gives credence to who you are based on the etching in the metal. And I realize that's, that's Paul's encouragement to us as well, that, that in suffering, producing perseverance, perseverance producing character, that what God is doing is he's saying, this is my child, this is who I've made. Look at them. You see their character? They're honest, joyful, forgiving. They live out second chances. They, they absolutely, yes, it gets them down, right, when they go to the doctor and they still hear the diagnosis and it frustrates, oh, why can't we get this figured out? But they don't give up because they realize they're standing in God's grace today. You're not promised tomorrow, right? Did your mom ever say that to you? Usually based on how you were acting that day. <laughs> You're not promised tomorrow, <laughs> Good Lord may take you. <laughs> but we're not promised tomorrow. And so what we're given is today. So in the midst of our suffering today, it's produced perseverance, that ability to be resilient, to hold fast, to keep challenging. And then also that our character is being built up. Now, many of you go, well, I... I mean, I thought my character was being built up when I was a kid, maybe in high school, maybe through the college years, and then my character, it's done. No, I want you to know this. Character can continue to be developed. Your name can continue to be refined. In the book Song of Solomon, the female says of her newfound husband, that his character is etched in stone. Meaning she can count on him. He'll never change for the worse. It means he's a man of his word. It means that nothing will come between him and his covenant promises. It's etched in stone. I believe that this is part of what Paul's reminding us is that suffering, producing perseverance, leading to character is that God is etching us in stone. Now here's the thing. When I think of something being etched in stone, what is the first thing you think of? A tombstone. A grave. Really? Is that the first time in our life that we want something etched in stone to say about us? For everyone else to go, well, in death we know their character. 
No. No, the encouragement here is in the midst of suffering, persevere so that God can build your character and you can share that. How do we know? Character producing hope. You see, what hope does is it gives people a chance to breathe again, to live again, to forgive again. What hope does is it says, as bad as this is, I absolutely know that tomorrow will be better. See, in the special operations community, people quit because they can't imagine the pain tomorrow. This is why it's different. We can imagine tomorrow because we have hope. And I believe that one of the greatest attributes of Christian character is that you are a monger of hope, a hope monger means that you go after it, you fight for it, you, you live it in such a way that you want other people to have it. You share it, you spread it, you tell it. You want people to have hope. And I don't mean hope like the world thinks of hope. The world thinks of hope with a better economy, better 401k, better jobs or better health care. The world thinks of hope with all kinds of promises for this world. But what God says is, I've got hope for tomorrow. And you know what happens tomorrow? You know what the Christian believes happens tomorrow? Jesus returns. Jesus comes back. Behold, I make all things new. There will be no, no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more death. You see, the Christian believes Jesus is coming back soon. Soon and very soon, right? And, and we rely on that. And because we know he's coming back soon, if it's tomorrow or next week, next month, or a millennia from now, it doesn't matter. You see, our hope is in Jesus. It's not that my life seems better. It's not that my circumstances are over. It's that my hope is in Jesus. Now, let me read you these verses. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. You see, so Jesus reconciles us to God. We live in grace. And then God says this, hey, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he's going to live in you. I just don't have any hope. That's a good thing Jesus hasn't given up and the Holy Spirit hasn't either. It's a good thing the Spirit lives inside you because I get it. If you just went off of today's circumstances, the pain and suffering, the challenges that you go through, you're probably going to quit because you can't imagine going through tomorrow the same way. But with Jesus, it's different. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone may possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for you. And friends, I know no better good news than that your sins do not damn you that your sins do not condemn you, that your sins do not name you, that your sins do not define you, 
that your sins do not have to be such a burden on the shoulders of your life, oppressing your heart, your lungs, your head, your body, where you feel pressure and pressure. No, by God's grace, you're forgiven. This is why oftentimes when I announce God's grace to you, I will use the sign of the cross not because I'm trying to be pastorly, not because I have some different authority, but because I believe that the acknowledgement of seeing the sign of the cross reminds us of why we live. And it's by Jesus' shed blood and his resurrection that you are forgiven and have hope. May that hope be yours today and forever. Amen.